Welcome to the Combat Podcast. So I've been wanting to do something like this for quite a while, where I get to talk to developers about making games and designing games and everything that is involved in that very, very difficult process. And finally, I have been able to somehow get the game developers from Smack Games, uh, who just released Tokyo 42, a very unique game, very beautiful, and uh, it has quite some catchy music. So I'm very excited to have the two brothers on, and we will have a lovely conversation about games. Hey, welcome to the interview section, and I've got the beautiful people, Sean Wright and Maciek Strachowski here, to oh, talk about Tokyo 42. That was amazing pronunciation of my name, by the way. How the hell Someone's been that? researching. <laughs> Where did you get that from? <laughs> Not I even I know may... how to pronounce my name. <laughs> and you called us beautiful, which is yeah. really, really nice. I'm that helps. I'm flushing a little bit. <laughs> that means I get a free copy, right? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, transparent. Yeah, I was I was wondering uh, how to pronounce it, so I've been practicing. Uh, but because uh, you don't want to say it wrong on the podcast, and then people hear it. Ah, uh, yeah, that happens uh, to I've me had, quite. I've a had lot. so many different versions of my name um, that I'm kind of over it at this stage. Yeah, um, but I'm a I'm an international man, clearly. <laughs> yes, of course. So, um, you two are brothers from Cape Town, South Africa. Right? That's right. Yeah, and. Uh, you are now based in London, like I am. Yes. Well, Sean, like Sean was actually b- uh, born in, in South London. He's born in the South. In uh, South London, eh? Yeah. Wee. Yeah. So, uh, so we can talk in the, the London dialect. No, I mean, <laughs> I was too little to absorb any of the real lingo, you know what I mean? Uh, so. No offense to Londoners, but that's a good thing, I think. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I withhold any opinion on the matter. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was quite weird. Uh, when moving to Germany, I was at, at schools, and uh, it took me quite a while to get used to English itself, and then the the London speak, which spread to the world. I think. Yeah. Is, um, yeah. So uh, you're the minds behind Tokyo Forty Two. Uh, Tokyo Forty Two is available on Steam and other irrelevant pa- platforms, like <laughs> or oh, spoken no? like a true master race person. <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm here with my battleship uh, of a PC. I'll, okay, that's all I care about. <laughs> nice. Do you have those um like um cool flashing lights on the side and stuff? You know, like perspex boxes and. Oh, I'm not gonna lie, I hate those cool. flashing lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. And also, don't have a window in the PC because I don't. It means cable management, and you know, yeah. that's, uh, uh, so it's all uh, just a jumbled mess in there. Is what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, no, I've got excellent airflow. <laughs> what are you saying? Sorry, sorry, nothing. <laughs> no, uh, but my mouse has uh, RGB lights, so oh, that's yeah. something. That is pretty cool. Is it programmable? Yeah. Just out of interest? In one of those, you can change it. Uh, you can change it, yeah. Um, it's either a solid color, uh, it breathes, or it's just okay. uh, it stays one color, or it breathes and comes different colors or something. But cool. yeah, it's, it's quite... I may or may not have stared at it for hours, but <laughs> just changing lights. But yeah, it's sure. pretty pretty cool. It's a Logitech something. Oh god, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. 
Right, so um, sponsorship opportunity lost. <laughs> I still want your money, Logitech. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about yourself? So, what led you guys to London and uh, to make games? Um, well, I was, I was, I've been in London for a while um, since about 2007, and working in uh, the media industry in various kind of capacities, working in advertising and digital art and web design and. UX and all sorts of stuff, um, yep. and uh, Sean was moving over here via uh, a trip to Europe, um, and uh, we um, decided to start messing around in Unity, um, and uh, we made a really cool demo which we wanted to show to other people, um, and it turns out uh, we also got a publishing deal out of it. So really, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to us that was as fun as it was our demo um and you know we've been working on it ever since yes the demo became a game oh i love that just that you didn't in- intend to make a game well yeah, i mean obviously you know when you make a game you're making a game um, yeah but i mean i mean right, so i didn't it's, <laughs> it's good that something commercial came out of it like yeah for yeah. sure i mean we we uh we were really just trying to test the waters when we took our prototype uh, out in, into the wild and we didn't really know anything about the industry so we sort of tentatively made an, an arrangement to go to this event that uh, hooked us up with uh, publishers in like a sort of speed dating format and from that right. event we met Mode 7 Games and they were pretty interested in working with us and we were you know pretty happy to comply as well and take their money so <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Mode 7 games are also based in London is that right? Oxford um, Oxford. Oxford, okay so the UK right. yeah, I don't know if you know their work, they made um, a game called Frozen Synapse um, oh yeah, yeah I, I famously, yeah so um, yeah, as Sean said it was like our first industry event actually that we went to that we, we basically hooked up a deal um, there was a bit of chats afterwards but we met them there um, and they're kind of like a similar sized operation to us. So Smack Games is just the two of us. Um, yeah. Tokyo 42 we made with with another guy, Vincent Espy, who did the music, and a couple other sort of support uh, guys like Alex Darby. But um, uh, yeah, Mode 7 is, is is also a very small operation. It's just a couple of dudes um, led up by Ian Hardigam and uh, Paul Kildiff Taylor. Um, uh, so, you know, when we were looking at, you know, working with someone um they seemed really attractive because they would understand you know the the sort of shit we'd be going through um in developing this game excuse my language um uh and uh they were you know um they would kind of know know the kind of trials and tribulations that we'd go to so um yeah it was a good fit yeah and it was their first publishing gig as well so um we felt like they would give us a lot of attention from that standpoint. We wouldn't just become one in another, like many of their stable, if you know yeah. what I mean. Game number 364 currently yeah. running at stage two of development yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there are a lot of horror stories about management ruining games, right? Yeah. Just recently, Square Enix um, completely messed up Hitman. Yeah, IO Interactive, yeah. Yeah, the the poor guys. The very good studio have been around for ages, but they, because of Square Enix's, you know, greed, they they uh, mm. they're, you them know, off. letting people go. And yeah, it's yeah. it's a shame because their Hitman was a good game. The last um, 
Well, the, well, the, the IP is still out there, isn't it? Um, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, but it's a question about who picks it up, and then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see what um, IO can do now that they're away from Squeenix. I don't think yeah, they would struggle to get more funding potentially. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'd be naive of me to think that, but you know. Well, they, my worry is uh, that um, they lost some momentum. They had to let people go. And that's always difficult to recover from. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. Mm, true. Yeah, so so the P- Mode Seven games, small publisher who understands you, you two, and uh, yeah. you understand them. So there was a good uh, relationship. So, and you think that's been beneficial, right? Yeah, I mean, it, from a business perspective, it seemed like a good relationship. And then once we started working together, you know, it was quickly evident that the relationship was just naturally good as well. You know, they're, they're great people and. They're fun, and we always got along with them. We managed to make we we're like able to make jokes with them and take the piss, and that you know have that <laughs> reciprocated. So yeah. The, the yeah, the pants the pants have always been strong, and it just felt like a, a fairly harmonious working arrangement. Smack and mode seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I the, the, the other thing is that when 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 we uh, had our demo, we got our demo together. We kind of had no idea how the industry operated, and you know we you know we we toyed with ideas of um, looking at Kickstarter or just you know releasing our game for free and seeing where it would go. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we had a multiplayer demo to begin with, we didn't have a single player game. Um, uh, and we, kind of when we thought about it, we kind of thought that going with a, a publisher to begin with. Uh, would be a good kind of head start and just kind of, you know, for a first game, uh, learning about the industry and getting some contacts and seeing some of the sort of the inner workings without having to try find out, you know, get all those contacts ourselves and find out, you know, take wild guesses as to what to do next, you know. So they kind of guided us through um, a lot of unknown territory for us. Um, and we've learned a lot. Um, but that having been said, they they are kind of, they've been, they've been kind of primarily doing PR stuff um, for us and obviously sort of design support when we've asked for it. Um, and in that respect, they're brilliant. Um, you know, Paul Kill of Taylor is just super active on Twitter and been, you know, and hooking up uh, meetings and uh, interviews and all that kind of stuff. And he's been, he's exhausted himself kind of flying around the world um, trying to punt the game. So, you know, they're very cool when it comes to, PR stuff as well, even though it's just a couple of them. So, yeah, that was great that it's worked out so well for you. So, yeah. um, uh, I'm not sure how this question got in here. Uh, maybe it was Brian, but uh, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite cake and why does it taste like lies? <laughs> what is our favorite uh, what? Cake and why does cake. it taste like lies? <laughs> the oh. cake is a lie. The cake is um, favorite cake, cheesecake. Cheesecake is pretty good. I'm I'm down with cheesecake, um, and it tastes like a lie, because cheese. Because it's actually oh, eggs, not cheese. <laughs> Wait, it's also it's also cheese, isn't it? It's mascarpone. <laughs> How do you what what cheese do you use to lure a bear, Magic? Uh, come on, bear. Uh-huh. <laughs> what cheese do you use to hide a small horse? Mascarpone. Hey. <laughs> I never right. thought we'd be going d- down the route of puns. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you uh, with that question, though, come on. What do you expect? Yeah. It, it wasn't a good question. Oh, it was. I thought it was a great question. Leading. Right. It sets the tone for the professional combo podcast, you know. <laughs> I, never got to, I never got to the cake 
in Portal. I wasn't good enough. Oh, was there like a, a secret secret somewhere in the in Portal? Yeah, there was like a cake somewhere, like but it was like super behind the scenes. And Did you have to like glitch your way through walls and stuff to get to it? Yeah, I think so. I never, I never like figured it out or looked it up. But okay. uh, I remember it, but I don't remember glitching it. I thought it was just a panel that's a bit loose, and you can walk through it. So well, there you uh, go. okay, well, there we go. See, for me, the cake was a lie. For the cake, for you, the cake was not a lie. Mm. So because it was a lie and not a lie at the same time, shredding his cake. It, yeah. Oh my god, we just solved physics. Easy. <laughs> Boom. Let's go home. <laughs> Wait, I am home. All right. You hear that, Nobel Committee? I mean, we're right here. Science is over. <laughs> Trump was All these right. years of me doing biochemistry, all a waste. <laughs> I was meant for, I was born for, to do physics. <laughs> all right, so um, Tokyo 42 has gotten on our radar uh, late last year. And, um, well, it's just, you know, the first look was, wow, what is this game? It's vibrant, the vibrant colors, the music uh and everything it felt special just looking at it and uh, i'm a huge fan of architecture and design and games and that's why it stood out and i wanted to speak to you guys um i've uh famously done a one-hour episode with an architecture phd graduate <laughs> who who just talks about deus ex human revolution and i'm just like wow uh, <laughs> so um yeah as you get older you know yeah yeah, I've been watching a lot of dev stuff, um, the videos you've been releasing, and uh, and I really look forward to games. And I also, I'm more of a patient gamer, so I wait for games and until they're patched and everything. But uh, this one stood out, and uh, Brian's played it and he loves it. And I have yet to play it, but I. So you're coming into this interview well informed, then? Yeah, I mean, uh, if YouTube and Twitch counts, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's because my PC is a few hundred kilometers away, and I just <laughs> yeah, yeah, I miss it. <laughs> so, sure. uh, just to kick off, uh, what led you to develop the fully flesh game? I mean, you you guys mentioned uh, you went to a an event, the speed dating, with people. Uh, so, but what actually pushed you to you know leave a secure job or whatever, and uh, to you know actually do this for? Uh, a year, two years, three years, or how, how long it took? Well, I've, I mean, I've grown up loving games my entire life, right? And um, as I was in app development before this so software, and I studied engineering, uh, like semi, like sort of robotic engineering, so I've always been doing programming. Yeah. It's kind of been my, in my skill set. And when the opportunity came up to, you know, turn that sort of skill set towards gaming, which is something I love, it seemed like silly not to pursue it to be honest. There was money, there was security, and there was the potential of being behind making a game. So it was a no-brainer from my perspective. Yeah. What inspired you? Just the, the entire concept of this odd-looking city. Not odd, but well, you know, special-looking well, city sort of, and music. You know, we're, we're brothers, um, and we kind of always we obviously played games together when we were younger um and there were a bunch of games that we played like ages ago on our amiga because that was our first machine in the house um yeah uh and funnily enough a lot of them were made by sort of british development houses so it was houses like sensible software and psychnosis and team 17 yeah um, so it was time, games yeah. like lemmings and worms and sensible soccer cannon fodder, cannon fodder um 
So there was this kind of leaning towards wanting to make something kind of classic like that, um, but new school. Um, so, and it's not just those games. There's a bunch of other games that we really loved. And because it's our first thing, we wanted to kind of, in in a way, kind of pay tribute, you know, without claiming that we've made anything as good as that, but to, if we're going to learn we're going to learn through these games that we loved. Um, so it was kind of like this little bit of a throwback to old school British indie development. Um, and yeah, we wanted to bring like a fresh take on that. So. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it seemed like a, a good way for us to learn as well to, you know, follow in footsteps, uh, you know, of those who have done it well already, you know, rather, rather than to try and break whole new ground rather do something that kind of makes sense and you've seen it work while we have done some things which haven't been done before a lot of the sort of principles that we've adhered to have come from looking at those older games cool so um yeah uh that's quite interesting so the aesthetics exactly it was anything that led you to design it or you know uh yeah um you know, we we were kind of looking at a couple of things that uh, we wanted to sort of mimic. And sort of with indie games, one of the first things that strikes you as a success recently was um, this game called Monument Valley, um, uh, which is kind of like a mobile puzzle game, but with really beautiful, minimal uh, architectural style get graphics. Um, yeah. And uh, at the same time, sort of we're looking at things like Where's Wally um, and there's this cool version of Where's Wally called E-Boy, um, which is kind of like a hyper colorful version of Where's Wally. Um, and we kind of wanted to meld the two of those and really what that sort of baseline style uh, was feeding to was kind of recreating some of the perspective that you had in these older games. So if you remember like Syndicate Wars, it was this kind of old shooter and sort of in a very similar perspective to ours, but it had a full 360 camera. Um, and also games like sort of GTA, they were kind of really pulled back uh, camera. So we wanted to work with a combination of all those sort of things. So an old school camera where you kind of pulled back um, using some of these design sensibilities from, uh, you know, new indie games and uh, some sort of comics. Um, and yeah, the, the sort of style emerged from kind of working with all that as a basis and that and the fact that we had to work really quickly and effectively so we had to use really simple forms and shapes and um, brutal shapes if you like um kind of the game needed to be more graphic than it was realistic um, because we were never going to be able to make a realistic looking thing so we came up with a whole bunch of kind of just styles I and mean, that's how it kind of emerged over time so yeah um it's quite interesting so for those who haven't well why haven't you looked at the trailers you Badlessness, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's a bit isometric. I think you call it. Yeah, it's an isometric perspective. Yeah. Um, even though it's it's not really isometric, but it's it's isometric. And the camera is, that. Yeah, yeah. How did you? I think this is always an interest, an interesting one. Uh, how did you marry the design with the mechanics? Um, how how did you ensure that the design you created and the the vision you had went well with the mechanics and? Uh, were there any challenges in that regard? Well, yeah. Oh, sorry, Sean. Go ahead. No, I mean there were there were loads loads of challenges. Um, uh, you know, one of the main challenges was the fact that we we really wanted to have sort of a platforming aspect where you could, you know, traverse buildings of varying heights. And when you're in an isometric perspective like that, you 
as in, in a sh- with a shooter, you kind of you struggle to give the player the feedback that they need to know when you know a shot that they're going to make would potentially hit the floor at their feet instead of where they think they're aiming. So basically, it's it's verticality was I think maybe our like our strongest and is still one of the the toughest things about the game. Um, when it comes to marrying the like the gameplay and the design, but I, I, you know we've done our we've done pretty much our best, and there was a lot of play testing with the UI and trying to get it uh, get it to like feel right in terms of the feedback, and um, yeah, I mean that was one of the challenges for one, uh, and you know we had we had to implement quite a lot of changes to get that to feel right. Um, yeah, it's kind of been a feedback process because that's kind of as Sean says, that's the new thing that we've done. We've taken this perspective and given it full vertical freedom, you know, of movement and combat. Um, and as we kind of went along, we kind of saw the problems with our design, which is, like I say, quite a new thing, but kind of worked around it. Um, so there was quite a lot of feedback between, you know, how we handle perspective and then what sort of gameplay that would allow. And there was a lot of discovery in that process, um, sort of what sort of stuff we enjoyed, you know, and as, you know, as we got better at playing it, um, uh, you know, we started speeding up certain things so the cameras, the camera needed to be faster and um, more precise, and um, you know, the combat accelerated as we got better with, as, with this sort of this sort of concept. Um, and we discovered like a really fast-paced um, game. It takes a little while to get used to when you're playing, but um, the, you'll notice there'll be some guys who come out in in, in a little while who are super skilled, and um, this becomes like quite a fluid mechanical thing and i think that comes out from the fact that this whole design process was a sort of a feedbacky sort of thing where we didn't actually know exactly what we were um what what the final product was going to be um it was it a lot of it came out through the process yeah very interesting and uh so to move on from that i've talked a lot about open world uh maps right uh how how do they feel natural and how sometimes they you know, they're just big maps, they're designed first, but not with the gameplay in mind. So how did you ensure that uh, Tokyo 42 has a very, uh, obviously, a vibrant map, and also it feels alive uh, with people going around? So how, well, how I think, do you... Uh, yeah? No, well, so kind of to start answering that, I think one of the things we wanted to do was make sure that... Um, we didn't do much in the way of copy paste in terms of how the the world was designed. We kind of had ideas for gameplay and gameplay spaces, and uh, the the open world is areas that are for, designed for specific kinds of gameplay. And we didn't want to copy and paste them uh, any more than it was needed. So you'll notice as you run around, every sort of area feels slightly different, um, and and at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't stretch out further than it needs to. Um, so it's not like it's this sort of Assassin's Creed of you know endless streets of the same sort of thing. Um, so in that respect, it's it's I think it's quite a sort of tight tight open world. Um, and yeah. what it means is that once you once you start playing around in it, you kind of you start learning what buildings can be used for what purpose. So you might find a building that you really like for sniping from, or you know one that you like drawing your enemies to because you you prefer combat there. Um, and so it becomes a tool for you. And I think that's the liveliest aspect of the world because the, the AI is so responsive. Um, uh, 
you know, it's this kind of mini version of AI that you see in a lot of AAAs, actually. Um, it's very kind of smart and it does its own thinking. It's not prescriptive at all. At all. Um, so that's how the world kind of, for me, becomes this this thing it's it's your it's your it's your best weapon and you know your worst enemy at the same time um so hmm. and uh yeah that's uh that's a great answer i was gonna ask you about you mentioned it a few times you didn't copy and paste building so you just stole the question uh. <laughs> um so this applies to both of you um obviously um well how did you to realize your strengths and how did you utilize them and when spreading the workload when it came to we were quite lucky in that respect um you know magic does has done all of the art and design and graphics for the game and i've done all the code um and systems and stuff and that was always going to be the case because those are just our strengths you know um that when we when we went into it the the work was like broken up like that naturally already so you know i it, it's very hard to say like I, i think it was pretty much 50 50 really when you when you look at the workload there's just there's there's so much to do on both fronts and they're both in depth and they're both you know they they sit kind of in respect to each other and have relationships with one another but there's roughly you know we can just go on and do our own thing you know and just chat to each other about what we're doing Yeah, and I think where we came together was around design and writing. So we kind of just co-designed and co-wrote, which was just a, more of just like a chatting process. Um, and then, as Sean says, when it came down to actual production, it was a fairly clean split. Um, uh, you know, we, we it's probably worth mentioning now that we, you know, we do have um, a musician who worked with us on this project called Vicente Espy, um, and he's going under the name Beat Vince. Um, and actually, you must... Uh, Try get a hold of that the OST because it's that it's fucking awesome um, and it's oh uh, yeah yeah um, I've had the the song go 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 in my head for probably four days now yeah it's just really yeah. amazing and like awesome. really worth kind of picking up because um, yeah. it's it's just it's it's just on another level um, for kind of like what you know yeah. what um, it feels like for what this game is it's like it's really epic music um, so. So, um, how were you how were you introduced uh, to uh, Beat Vince? Um, I actually went to school with 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 him. Oh, like really? he's got so many names, man. I call him I call him Tootie. Some people call him Vincent. <laughs> his his uh, like actual pronunciation is Vicente. Um, and Vicente. some people call him Vin oh, right. Vincenzo, and Beat Vince and Vince uh, Tut. It's like. That, that, That's not yeah, good Vinny. for SEO. <laughs> um, or is it? You could just have all of that, you know, all of those things point to him. Well, I think one of his step ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, so I, I don't know. We call him Vince. Vince is um, yeah. an old friend of mine from school. Uh, we went to school together, and you know, I've just he's he's been just such an incredible sort of. Uh, musical talent in my life like ever since I've met him and he he's a prolific uh, composer and a violinist and he he's gotten a degree in uh, music at Manchester and he's uh, a master's in music I think and then he's got a master's in sound engineering at Berkeley in uh, Boston and he, he yeah he's decorated he's he's just a genius and so it, it was so good to get be able to get him on the project Yeah, I think he he nailed the soundtrack for the game. 
Yeah. It, it's, it's, awesome. Yeah, it, it just goes so... Um, I mean, I did mention uh, the soundtrack was also one of the things that uh, made me interested. But the fact that, you know, it's like a puzzle, it just fits so perfectly. Yeah, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna like be trying to get get that soundtrack out because I think it should be recognized for what it is. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and yeah, so well, the was us. Uh, so just about the business side of uh, dealing with the uh, uh, with Beatvins, was there anything interesting there? How about the commercial relationships you build uh, as part of game development? No, I think um, I think you know this is a an indie undertaking, and and I think we all we've all been pretty tra- transparent about our roles on the project, and you know w- what sort of value everyone brought. And I think it's it's all been kind of like a fairly even split um, uh, in terms of who, who gets what and when, and um, you know uh, Vincent is going through a, a music management company called Songololo, which is um. Uh, run by Elise SP, and um, they they've kind of got full rights to uh, the music, sort of independently. So they're kind of treating it as a um, a musical release, um, less so than a companion piece to a game. Um, even though we, there's obviously strong ties between the two, so they can they can kind of run with it um, how they how they see fit in many respects. Um, so I think it's a kind of a I think that has helped them as well, and it helped help this sort of this small relationship work because, you know, it could be quite easy. It could have been quite easy for the publish our publisher to take control of all of that, and then you know everyone just kind of has to go through them. But this way, everyone kind of has has sort of their own, uh, you know, can do what they want with what they've made essentially. So, how much did you? How much were you two involved on the commercial aspect? Obviously, you control the game. So you mentioned your relationship with Mode Seven Games was good. Uh, were you much? Were you very involved in marketing and uh, setting the di- agenda, the direction for the way it should be publicized and such? So Paul, uh, as Ratchet mentioned, Paul Kilduff Taylor from Mode Seven Games is he's like an, he's really good when it comes to PR stuff and um, just in general, Mode Seven Games have got quite a lot of uh, experience in the industry, so they were much you know better. Um, suited to pick a pick a um, positioning for our game in terms of the market, so I, I feel like we probably uh, you know while while all discussions were always held you know as equals, uh, they we we often deferred to them on stuff you know on where where we would go um, where the sh- when we should announce certain things how we should go about that what the trailer would be like. Uh, Paul also did the trailers all the trailers. Um, and uh, it's been, it's again, it's been so nice to be able to rely on them for that, and they've done most of most of all that as well. I would say. What do you think, Magic? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly as you say. It's kind of it's taken a lot of that pressure off because you know that when it comes to marketing, a lot of it's spent on email um, and in on Skype calls and whatnot. And we really wanted to make the game, and you know, the the development time ultimately was scheduled out to be about a year and a half of uh, full-time work and really if we were thinking about marketing we would never have been able to um, complete the game in that time so uh, I think as Sean says not yeah not not only 
were we happy to defer to them? It was also kind of necessary in terms of being realistic about this thing actually ever seeing the light of day. Um, because it, as as we know, it's marketing, etc., is a whole other focus and it's a whole other job and it's very all-consuming once you go down that rabbit hole um, of the internet and likes and dislikes and this sort of thing. Um, so The scary internet, yeah. Yeah, yes. terrifying place. Yeah. Yeah, yet we spend most of our lives on it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Adding to the fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's a really interesting conversation so far. So, uh, I was also interested in, uh, again, this is more of a development and commercial aspect, um, you know, com- when combined. So, when you thought of features and uh you know mechanics uh, did you ever think or were you dr- driven by um you know the fact that it may or may not be a commercial gain or did you create what you wanted for yourself so uh, by, by that i mean if a certain feature you thought wouldn't make us money or would make us money or uh, would affect uh, yes and, you know, yes and I mean? no i think i think for the most part we were making the game just sort of naturally that we wanted to play. Um, we wanted it to be fun, you know, and that kind of yeah. makes it make money. If it, you know, that, that oh, it goes towards making it make money if it's fun. We always wanted it to be fun. So. Yeah, I think um, one of the one of the one of the places where we did have to stop and think was just in terms of scope, when you know when we felt like we were overstretching and that the game would no longer be uh, possible to create within within budget etc um that's when we had to kind of reel it back um uh but yeah as sean says like you know as long as we were having fun then we were kind of okay with the features set um and eventually you know you hit a point in development where you just kind of have to stop adding features because you know you've you're going to push you know if you want to if you want to flesh all that stuff out it'll take you're adding you know now months and years to development um so yeah I think it was I think a combination of those two. I don't think we added much stuff just for popularity's sake. Um, yeah, because, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you have publishers pushing for something or you think, oh, this would be good to add. So so the fact that you were driven by, you know, fun level, that's, that's good. Yeah. Mm. A lot of people um, lose, you know, they lose sight of things and, you know, business starts consuming the, creative side and uh, that's always sure. dangerous yeah and, I, and again that goes back to why i think mode 7 was always a good choice for us because we weren't we knew we got the sense that we weren't going to become you know under the pressure of some corporate overlord who's pushing our feature set towards you know in-app purchases and that sort of horror you know we we've they they wanted the game to be fun too and we could tell Cool. Um. So, just moving on. Uh, so, were there any big challenges uh, in general uh, when developing the game? No, it was all smooth sailing. <laughs> what? I, I brought no. you guys on for the drama. <laughs> I think. I think the the biggest challenge was, you know, when we when we made the demo, it was a multiplayer arena thing. So we wanted to do like a real time worms, but we wanted to try to figure out how to make stealth work in arena game so we introduced like crowd dynamics um so that was the kind of that was kind of our scope and i think we did well with that demo because um it was it was tightly 
put together and it was a well-finished demo and people thought it was like a finished little game. But when we went into the deal with um, Mode 7, uh, we very quickly kind of came to this conclusion that we wouldn't be able to guarantee like a multiplayer game or community or guarantee that that would work because, you know, people are fickle and multiplayer really requires... Um, is really banks on the fact that it's a busy thing. We couldn't do that. So we had to do something in single player. And um, everyone told us that um, what rookies do when they make their first game is um, they either make an open world game or they try to make an open world game or they make an MMO. And they always fail. So we just didn't listen to them. Um, and we went Yay. ahead and made an open world game. And it uh, turns out open world games are really hard to do. And they do actually take a lot of work. Um, and everyone was right. Everyone was right. Um, so there's yeah. just all these challenges that cropped up, and they were they were the sort of things that when we started on the open world, it was everything was fine and happy and like. But as you kind of get later on, and you can't really go back on a lot of your decisions because you're kind of committed, um, some of the the sort of as the, the project bubbled out to its edges, you know, when it comes to uh, performance and uh, scope and stuff. And, you know, we were hitting these barriers where it's just suddenly we had to refactor a whole bunch of stuff and, um, you know, it became quite heavy going for a while once we realized the mistakes we'd made. Um, so, yeah, I think for me it was the the open world was just it was just a huge undertaking and um, we learned a lot, um, but I think it was the hardest aspect. No, I can imagine because normally you would have a game in chunks, right? Level after level after level. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, norm- normally, app- apparently, that's the normal thing to do. <laughs> we, um, yeah, didn't. didn't. Well, I'm glad you guys went for open world. Um, it just, it, it, I don't think a level game would have fit that well, because you know, because you now have the options to, you know, snipe from a certain position or and you know, tackle the same problem from different, you know, yeah. different ways. So, I think sure. yeah, it did come out pretty well at the end. In the end. Yeah, I, I that, think. That, sorry. Uh, well, I was just gonna like kind of you know to expand on what Magic was saying there. I, you know, I I think that really manifested itself. That problem manifested itself in the optimization step at the end. You know, one of the things about being PC gamers, um, as you know, is you you have a lot of pride for your machine, so you make sure it can run things yeah. well. And we um we both have machines that can run things well. So during making the game, you know, everything runs fine. Um. And it turns out that it doesn't always run fine on everyone's machine. So we, we had built out this whole world and everything was hunky-dory and, you know, like you know, smashing out the FPS. And then we put it onto console and we're like, oh, I see. <laughs> okay, then. And then it's like, okay, what can we do? And I mean, we spent so long and we had to redo things. Magic remodeled the world once or twice, I think. I mean, wow. we're... Yeah, we we we've like seriously, we've seriously had some some pains with the optimization, and I think that's pretty normal. You know, they I, I've read some uh, experienced people saying that you should consider optimization towards the end, but I, there's a caveat to that. I believe that you've got to have it in your mind as you go along, because we didn't at all. We kind of just went with it, and it was all fine. And then, you know, when it all was not fine again, we hadn't put in any sort of things in place you know mentally throughout the systems to just easily sort of scale it down you know so we ended up having to reevaluate a lot of the decisions we had made at magic had said just to get the performance up to where it is now 
lesson learned. Consoles are awful. <laughs> <laughs> the consoles are great. They, they're a fantastic <laughs> platform for the lounge and whatever. Um, yeah. you know, don't, just, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I love my PC and I love my frames, um, uh, and um, I like my detailed gameplay um, because I like, you know, meaty, meaty games, um, and uh, it, yeah, like someone says, it was a bit of a surprise to really, really take into consideration what it takes to run on a console but yeah i mean i have i i like i like lying back in the lounge sometimes as well and like you know we've yeah. been playing some uncharted and you know they can they can squeeze some pretty good games out um, yeah naughty dog apparently makes you know a fairly okay games <laughs> and they happen to all be console exclusive or ps exclusive so yeah by fairly okay you mean very okay games. They, were, they are so fantastic man magic and i like kind of leading up to release we had I don't know, like a weekend prior where we had nothing to do and we just we just like played all the Uncharted games. We still haven't played four, but we started at one and we like worked our way up and there's just yeah, so I, much fun. I don't want to buy a PS4, but I've played the other ones and uh, I really like them, yeah. Yeah, totally. Although the shooting is really, really weird. And it takes a while to get used to, I think. I enjoy yeah. the shooting. Shooting is, we, is just... We, um, we just put it on hard mode so that it just became like super, super yeah. hardcore. And actually, we just finished three, and um, at the end there, it just gets it gets so hardcore the shooting. Yeah, I really enjoy the mechanics. Um, yeah, you might not, but like I really enjoy the shooting. I like it, but it's just uh, sometimes you you know shooting a guy in the head five times is is a bit unrealistic. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, fun. I know what you <laughs> but, mean. <laughs> yeah, um, I like the kill zone games. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. The, I remember playing on PS2, and then third one was quite cool yeah but it had like 19 minutes of cutscenes in a six-hour game it was it was quite something yeah <laughs> sure um yeah it's a shame some games just aren't released on every platform because it's just uh you know your audience is automatically smaller and, yeah uh, of course you know i i still haven't i'm still i've never played red dead redemption and i feel like i, I just I, I need to play that game so badly and i know that i it's so hard to get that to happen now like what am i going to do buy an xbox 360 like yeah yeah and it runs like uh it runs quite well, <laughs> quite badly it takes yeah. ages to load and everything but uh, yeah. that's actually one of the games that's worth having a console for uh, yeah exactly right um i played a few hours of it but uh yeah i wish it was on a pc yeah Did, didn't they announce that uh the code was too messy to port something to like PC? that yeah. yeah something like that um, I doubt they would have said the code was too messy, though. I mean, that feels like. <laughs> I think they said something borderline. Uh, really? Like that, yeah. Which is why I was surprised. Okay. So, I mean, and now the second Red Dead comes out, and they haven't announced it for PC either. So, um, I, I would be very surprised if they haven't got it, you know, pre pre considered for PC at least at a later year or two later release or something. I hope so, but mm. then again. You when you're playing a new game, you're not playing a new game. So yeah, um, yeah. But uh, well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. GTA Five was a pretty good good port. Yeah, yeah, good. that worked out pretty well for Rockstar as well. <laughs> Having it back or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you release a plat uh, game on another platform, people will buy it again. Weird yeah. that. Weird mm-hmm. that. Weird how that works. Weird, you know, <laughs> PS3 and uh, Xbox 360, then Xbox One and PS4. Secrets PC. of the industry exposed. More platforms equals more money. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, we we've got um, Tokyo Forty Two coming out on PlayStation in a in a couple of months, and um, uh, we're not sure exactly when. Mid July yeah. is kind yeah. of what we've got it earmarked for. So, is there any reason for it, or was it just the workload was too much? Yeah, we it was a workload thing. Okay, that's interesting. So, uh, do you have any advice for newbie devs now that you're you know professionals now? <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, as 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 I hope we've kind of outlined. You know, we we've been learning as we've been going on. So, I think I think the the thing that worked best for us early on was making sure that our demo um, was super polished um, before we showed people. Um, so, you know, as we said, the, the the first event we went to, people were like, "Okay, cool, this looks good. Where can we buy it?" Um, and we were like, we kind of like we kind of surprised. We were like, "What do you mean? We, this is just a demo. You know, this is just." You know, it's one level and whatever. Um, but it kind of had that level of polish. And, and what it meant was that potential partners, you know, be they publishers or distributors or whatever, they didn't need to imagine anything. You didn't have to go up and say, well, look at this and imagine what it might be like if it was, you know, this and this. And if we had graphics and if we had this and that, um, it was all in kind of, it was all in front of people. So, you know, the, the funny thing was, was, you know, with our first meeting with Mode 7, you know, it was the end of the day and everyone had been having these long chats and um, with all sorts of people. It was 15 minute sit downs. Like Sean said, it was a speed dating thing and everyone was exhausted, you know. So it was our last meeting actually of the day. And really, you know, when it comes to things like that, you know, the, don't want to be set at the end because you know that people are going to be tired and they just want to go home. And so, you know, we had a 15-minute time limit. So we sat down and we basically, we just didn't expect anything. So we were just talking about their games. And it was in the last, like, three minutes. They said, so why are you here? Um, and we kind of just turned the laptop around and we said, oh, we've got a game. And they were like, oh, that looks cool. How much do you want? Um, uh <laughs> So you know there was we didn't we didn't even we barely needed to talk about the game you know we didn't have to you know um we didn't have to lie about what we thought it was going to be and we also knew what we could what we had the capacity to do you know what what we what was feasible for us um and 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 that was that was shown on the screen so I think that that would be like my tip because you know everyone's going to mis- make mistakes when they're making games and you're always learning so you can't I can't personally give any tips on how to finish games um, because that is very important but you've got to learn that yourself but just as a starting point just making sure if you're serious about getting something into the industry making sure that it's super polished and um uh it 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 does it does the selling for you or the talking rather than you do the talking talk is cheap make a vertical slice <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so. that's good good so, I, would, um, I would say just as a as a little bit of advice is consider performance optimization early on, and learn to take criticism. That's it. That's what I got. That's actually valuable advice, um, because you know everyone tells you that, but uh, no one actually you know listens to feedback. Mm. So it's always good. So uh, future plans for the game. Um, is there anything you can tell us about? You know, DLC updates and such. Yeah, we're just we're just um you know we've just been released so we're kind of just um defragging for you know a week or two um but um we've we've already started talking about DLC um what we'd like to do we're gonna we're gonna want to we want to put out DLC fairly quickly um and we've got some really cool ideas um yeah uh so we really look forward to letting people know about what those are um. We're gonna we're gonna let the players play for a little while and figure out where the 
exactly where the strong points are in the game and what people want to see more of. Um, but uh, as it stands, we've got a couple of things already lined up, um, which we want to do. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll provide some some pretty cool new experiences for people. Um, and uh, what I, one thing I want to do is also give something to the hardcores out there who kind of, there's some really difficult levels later on in the game. Um, and we kind of want to give a bit more of that hardcore stuff. Um, yeah, yeah the that's game. what I want to hear. Yeah, the game's got some super cool combat bits, man. Um, but yeah. it's kind of got this whole duality thing where it can be quite a fun, light, experiential sort of thing. And then it's got this hardcore combat. And it can be quite polarizing for our player base is what I've seen. But yeah, our plans, as Magic is alluding to there, will hopefully just kind of pour on the hardcore <laughs> gaming yeah. vibe a little bit. At least for one of the things, just one of the plans we have. Yeah, we've got some great thematic um, sort of shifts that we want to implement as well, and some some functional updates. Some and like maybe a little bit of polish to uh, some of the existing things. Some there's been the community so far has been really fantastic in letting us know, you know how you know what they think and what they were what they want out of the game. And some of it's been extremely valuable. You know, some of it's been very angry as well. Some people don't like some of the things, and fairly so. There's some <laughs> some bits that are annoying to a lot of the players. But yeah, yeah, um, I can imagine. But uh, uh, so, why Tokyo? I just realized why. Um, was there any reason for it? Well, it kind of had to be for us. I think we're, we're both massive fans of Japan and, uh, you know, anime and, you know, films like Ghost in the Shell and Blade Runner and, um, you know, Akira and, you know, all things Japanese. Um, and, you know, I think for me, it's just one of the coolest places in the world. So uh, just wanted to set it there you know, and be able oh, yeah. to kind of pay tribute to just the coolest place in the world, you know, so. <laughs> cool, yeah. I also like Japan. I've done some of the language so far. And oh, really? Cool. Yeah, at university I did some, so um, I hope to actually go there for once. Yeah, we um, we wanted to um, put a disclaimer in the game somewhere because all around the world you'll see quite a few little bits of signage that are in kanji um, and we've used google translate to sort of <laughs> to get those in there so there's a bit there's there's a bit of a um yeah like a, we've actually we do actually have that in the game uh, we i mean we've got it we've got it translated by professionals when it comes to the text and stuff but yeah the the signage and stuff is really bad uh, really bad <laughs> i'm people. glad i'm not that good with kanji then <laughs> well it's funny because it, it is actually in there um if you go to one of the I think it's one of the shops or one of, or one of the mission terminals. I can't remember. Um, there's a little poster on the side, and it's um, it's basically an apology to Japanese people, but but in Japanese that that has been Google translated. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so. <laughs> so uh, do you two have any plans after Tokyo Forty Two? Uh, yeah. any ideas so far or? hopefully there'll be a time after P Tokyo 42 you know hopefully one day 
there will be um, space to no longer work on Tokyo 42. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's there's loads of ideas as to games and stuff. It's you know, there's there's at the moment it's you know we're looking at kind of more serious financial considerations and stuff because this is a small operation, so we you know. Um, you know, we're not we're not going to be leaping into AAA anytime soon. You know, um, so it's all about just trying to just kind of try to keep moving forward and try to figure out figure out ways to make games. You know, um, yeah. yeah. I think the easiest way for that to happen would be for um, everyone who listens to this podcast to buy the game and then tell everyone that they know to buy the game, and then also tell them to tell everyone that they know to buy the game, and then we'll be definitely in a much better position. <laughs> To continue. Uh, wait, uh, wait! I thought you guys were millionaires. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. I was mm. gonna ask you guys for free copies for my friends. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, well, you can have a copy because I mean, you know, obviously. Woo! Uh, thanks, man. Um, so, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, yeah. It's been really interesting talking about the game. Um, and oh, I just wanted was interested in hearing your views about current games and everything. So, uh, simply, what have you been playing lately? Um, you mentioned Uncharted, but have, how have you been keeping up with the gaming world whilst being in the development bubble? Well, uh, we play. I mean, we play everything. Yeah, we we like between us, we've got most things covered, and I think we're we're quite good in that regard because we're able to sort of trust each other's opinions about games. So you know, we we don't necessarily have to buy the same games, you know, unless there's a there's a good reason for it. We can like share our experiences and then cover more ground that way, and because and and that's quite important in today's market where you know so many games get released you know all the all the time. Um, but yeah, we we do pretty well there, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've been you know, uh, it's a funny week because we just released the game, so I didn't have too much time to play. But right. I've been, you know, I always I always play a bit of armor just to relax. Um, and I do some level editing in armor as well, which I've been doing over the last couple of days. Um, Whoa, play armor to relax. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been playing it for years and years now. So it's kind of, it's just, it's just, I just like it. I enjoy the depth of the combat and just kind of running around in um, King of the Hill or Wasteland or whatever and just, um, just take it easy, you know? I'm kind of over. So one of the things with the armor is the, Kind of, you can get a lot of, you can get pretty salty with controls, and especially with the big um, co-op or versus mode, where you have to work together with other people, and people can get really salty with other people's mistakes. You know, so if you're getting flown, if someone's a chopper pilot and they crash with, you know, with a chopper full of like 20 people, um, a lot of people get super angry. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm, <laughs> I am, so, I'm totally over that. Um, because I've just experienced it so many times now that it's just run of the mill, and yeah, I find it super chilled. Um, I, yeah. I kind of more agree with you, Salim, about that. I, I, I struggle to relax in armor, um, yeah. but I, I, I definitely am more relaxed when I play with Magic because he's kind of a pro. So you know, he, I'll just like kind of cower in behind him, running in a line, you know, like hiding in the in the alleyways and stuff, and he'll always be able to revive me and stay on the point. So. So, um, what's your favorite game, and why is the Deus Ex Human Revolution? <laughs> um, yeah. What was what was the latest Deus Ex called? Uh, Mankind uh, Divided. It's pretty yeah. good. Mank, like Mankind. Mankind. Lots of people uh, saying how it was unfinished and everything, but um, 
I didn't really have much issue with it. Um, probably because I was just you know, drooling all the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, I loved, I loved um, both those games. I I played um, Human Revolution through a couple of times, and I never actually finished Mankind Divided because I got caught like obsessively trying to get into all the apartments and trying to. Like, <laughs> So I, I I must have played about twenty hours or so, but I'd I'd only finished one or two of the missions, um, wow! Because I was just I was just doing all the side yeah. stuff, and I just hit this point where I'd, I kind of had totally forgotten what the story was or what I was supposed to be doing, um, and I kind of just I kind of felt satisfied like my experience was done. And I think actually no, I think the the when I stopped was I'd spent so long trying to you know putting dumpsters on top of dumpsters and jumping up and trying to get into whatever apartment yeah. that I hit this one point, I think in the red light district and there was suddenly this new apartment complex. And I was like, Oh geez, this is going to take like another 20 hours just to try to figure out how to get into all these apartments. Um, uh, but yeah, I really, I really loved um, the Deus Ex series. Um, my yeah. favorite game of all time is armor as, as, as has been hmm. described. That's cool. Um, Sean. Favorite game of all time. I mean, damn. It's probably uh, probably Mount and Blade Warband. I think it's what the game I've given the most time to. I can't play it anymore because I've totally worn it out. Um, and the mods, and th- there's a new one coming out. So I kind of, I just want to like build up my need for that game until that comes out, and then hopefully not be bitterly disappointed. But I've lately I've been really getting into the old school point and click action adventures. I played through all right. like all the remasters that have been coming out, uh, the Full Throttle and Day of I the Tentacle. I haven't touched those in ten years, fifteen years. Yeah, I I just had this uh, feel earlier earlier on in the year that I needed to go there, and then there was a th- another one uh, that um, was made, Ron Gilbert and Co. Um, called Thimbleweed Park, which is sort of old school but you know written this year and that was super fun as well so I, i've been i've been doing that we played a bit of steel division normandy 44 which was fun um you know a little bit of golf with your friends i've been relaxing to strategy stuff yeah, yeah some of it like we I, have, i'm we could I'm play into a civ game. a lot but, yeah. we should have a civ game then yeah you're into oh, civ yeah oh yeah Cool. I mean, I, I haven't played much multiplayer Civ. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Civ, Civ Six more, but I've got like probably over a thousand hours in Civ Five, Civ 5 for sure. Oh god, we should probably shouldn't play together. Mm. I probably. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's got some pretty advanced strats now in Civ Six. I, it's just brutal, man. It's just whatever. It's just I, I'm like a um, dominator, domination. One hundred eighty hours in. Um, but yeah, uh, the thing with. Multiplayers, you have to all stick together for hours. And uh, right. but some of my really my most favorite uh, gaming memories have been from Civ Five. Really, yeah. uh, multiplayer. Multi- multiplayer, yeah, because you have not just the stuff going on in the game, you know, the relationships, but those relationships you have over vo- voiceover IP. So you <laughs> you just hear one friend yelling. No, don't take my high hand. And he's like, well, wait, what's happening there? And you look at the map and his city is almost taken and the guy's about to be kicked off the game. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it's fascinating. We could probably play, I mean, 
if you guys are up for it. Yeah. That's fun. I mean, you know, I don't see us having much time in the next three months for yeah. games still. But, uh, Same, but uh, you know. Yeah, but, but uh, I would be down, Salim. Hit me up on Steam. I'm find it. Did I just say that publicly? <laughs> I'll, I'll edit it out. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. So, uh, is there anything, guys, you want to talk about? Um, we've had an hour, so and there was a good discussion so far. Mm, let me see. I don't know, man. I mean, what, what could we right. say, really? I mean, I mean, first of all, thanks, dude. First of all, thank you. Thanks so much for having us. No, I mean, thank you for coming on. Um, it's yeah. been a pleasure. Uh, so, thank you for spending an hour with me. And uh, yeah, yes, cool. this is one of the better episodes. I can feel it. <laughs> cool. Hey, look, if you're, do you do, is this kind of like a regular gig for you, games, vibes, like this podcast, is this what you do? Yeah, um, I've had a lot of, I've been busy uh, over the last year, lots of traveling and such, uh, uh, so I haven't been as up to date, but I, I'm trying to get it back to a weekly, at least a fortnightly basis, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, also... I launched a website so I'm going to try and write more uh, you know when traveling I can't talk but I can uh, at least write so yeah well um, Magic and I we've been looking to set up sort of like a North London um, more, more like Muswell Hill specifically because we know of two other devs of like you know, fairly good like games and stuff in our area so if, I don't know you mentioned you're in North London I can't remember exactly where but you know we yeah. should let you know you can come hang out sometime yeah, definitely. Um, th- thank you, guys, um, Sean, Matchek, and uh, for coming on. Uh, and uh, it's been great to speak to you. And I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Thanks, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Make it.